0: Today's episode is brought to you from the Russell Hotel. This hotel is a historic East Nashville church transformed into a -a one-of-a-kind boutique hotel. The Russell's mission is to give back to the Nashville community through their Rooms for Rooms program by donating a portion of your stay to local organizations who provide a safe haven for those in need in the Nashville community. Visit russellnashville.com to book your experience today. That's russellnashville.com. R-U-S-S-E-L-L-Nashville.com. what's (laughs) What's ever- <laughs> What's everybody? God. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of You're Not the Worst
1: with yours truly, Avery Blessing and Riley Nelson. Switched it up today. Did that sound a little weird? It did because I am hella sick right now, y'all. I think I have the flu. I took a COVID test. It's not COVID, but um, this is gonna be a pretty short intro because I am not doing well.
0: Yeah, no, I think we're really going through it right now. Like, both of us just got done with spring break or just got home from it. And, oh, my God, our apartment's a mess. We're both feeling like shit. And literally during spring break, you know, I'm. it was, like, just go, go, go every day and drink and party. It's, like, bus, club, another. party, another club. Like, <laughs> drink, chug, like, everything was happening. Um, I'm also going through post spring break depression (laughs) but oh my gosh what's up guys we missed you it's been a really fun two weeks without you i'm kidding it's weird it's been a weird two weeks um anyways for today's episode you guys we have on miss tennessee america as our guest who is also a certified enneagram coach and that's what we're going to be talking about today for the episode She's also the founder and president of the Glow Together Foundation, her nonprofit, and the Glow Movement.
1: We'll get into all of the Glow stuff with her on that. She'll talk about that at the end. Um, She's doing a lot of really cool things. She was such a pleasure to talk to. We really enjoyed getting to chat with her. Um, Also, too, if you look in the show notes of this episode, she did provide us with a link to 25% off of her Enneagram coaching. So make sure that you go ahead and go check that out. Um, But yeah, we were super excited to have her on. Um, We just want to thank her again for her time. And we hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we did. Um, If you know me, you know I've been wanting to do an Enneagram episode since the beginning of this podcast. We have just been looking for the right guest. And 30 episodes later, here we are. We found Sloane Reed. So without further ado, we hope that you enjoy it. Here she is. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking about this for weeks and the episode is finally here. We have Sloane Reed, aka Miss Tennessee on with us.
2: Hi, y'all. I'm so excited.
1: So uh, before we get into the Enneagram stuff, I want to talk about Miss Tennessee and all that. Like, how did you how did that come to be? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, it was a has been a crazy journey, that's for sure. So, um, I competed when I was younger, but my mom was a really big component of wanting us to be well-rounded. Um, so, I was actually the Little Miss El Paso when I grew up in Texas, mm-hmm. and so at like eleven years old. Uh-huh. And that- morning. This is like typical Texan where we're just talking about stereotypes. And this is like the typical Texas stereotype. I was on a cattle drive. I'm not even making this up. <laughs> like the morning I won Little Miss El Paso, like my family owned a ranch. And so I was on a cattle drive, like just doing that. And then I literally left, showered and was on stage at Little Miss El Paso. Oh <laughs> so my gosh. Was like, like pageant. It was so funny. And my mom was like terrified that they were going to ask me on stage. So like, what did you do today to get ready for the pageant? She was like, oh no, She's gonna say that she was like roping cows or something.
1: (laughs) She's like, please don't say that.
2: (laughs) We did it. We made it out.
1: But that's so funny. So
2: funny. And then I competed. And then I was on the swim team and student body stuff, you know, and I, I was a little all over the place. And then I decided to take a break from competing until college. And man, y'all, that was a hot mess express. Like when I competed in college, it was for like all the wrong reasons. It was just, just totally misguided and everything, like all the wrong reasons for someone to compete in a pageant. Like I probably checked the majority of them. It was Mm -hmm. for that validation It was for trying to like revenge for a boy, like all the wrong reasons. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would do that revenge though. Revenge is a really
1: good motivator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh,
2: my goodness. It was so wrong when it comes to pageantry. And so I flopped, like it's so embarrassing. And I even lost too much weight because you know, you get, when you don't mm-hmm. stick like one of my favorite quotes is like, when you don't stand for anything, you fall for everything. Hell mm-hmm. for all the wrong opinions. And I thought, like I was itty bitty and I just thought I needed to lose more weight. So by the time I was on stage, it looked like I was wearing my mommy's dress. Like it just mm-hmm. swallowed me. I oh. just all the worst things. And so after that experience, I was like, y'all, I need to do some work on myself. And that kind of actually started like my self-awareness journey and really, really getting to know myself and start to love myself. And so I took a break from modeling and pageantry and all of that stuff. And it wasn't until several years later um, that I got back into it, but for all the right reasons, for to bring awareness to my platform, which is my nonprofit, and to be a role model and to actually advocate for that authenticity and that self-worth. And so that's a big part of my platform now. Mm. Uh, But yeah, being Mrs. Tennessee has been a dream come true and getting to be on the Mrs. America stage. It's just we talked a little bit about those stereotypes earlier, and it's just so fun to be surrounded by so many women who are breaking all of them.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. All right. So let's get into some Enneagram stuff. For those who don't know, how do you describe the Enneagram to people or to clients that don't know what it is?
2: A life changer. No, it is definitely an amazing tool and asset. Um, But I think it's often deemed as like a personality assessment. It's sometimes categorized with like a DISC assessment or Mm -hmm. Myers-Briggs. But why I love, and all of those are amazing, but why I specifically love the Enneagram is it focuses on the why behind the behavior. So a lot of those personality assessments focus on behavior only, um, Mm -hmm. which is how you show up in the world where the Enneagram is more why you show up. And so it's less about the behavior and more about the motives or the triggers or the irritants behind it. Mm -hmm. So when you focus on developing or healing that, that's when the behavior naturally changes and organically grows. So (laughs) the Enneagram is kind of broken into nine types and each type is broken up into a triad, if you will. So there's three types in each triad, and they focus on either the heart triad, the head triad, or the gut triad. And those usually share an irritant. And then those irritant kind of goes into motive and then motive goes into behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that is basically the foundation of everything. That's the foundation of goal setting. That's the foundation of conflict resolution, the foundation of relationships with other people and yourself, just self-awareness and general so there's just a lot of pieces to it of what this fundamental knowledge can help you grow as a person and me personally there was a lot of times where I'd like leave a situation and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? That was so embarrassing
1: right or I do that every time I drink I call it anxiety I think I think, that, I think like my generation calls it anxiety but I get that every time I drink. <laughs>
2: I mean, anxiety that's hilarious but it's just like the reality I was like we do a behavior I'm like oh my gosh why did I act that way that's like who is that person right yeah, that's yeah. To me a lot and so it just comes to that like once I discovered the Enneagram and discovered my type and discovered the motives I understand and I was able to evaluate the behavior and be like oh I got triggered in that way mm-hmm. and so Mm -hmm. time I got triggered, I was prepared, and I didn't react the same way because I was had that self awareness, and more importantly, like that self grace and self love. So, with my clients, it really depends on the client. So, I have a lot of clients that come in just because they're curious and the enneagram is trendy, and they want to know their type. Mm -hmm. Um, The majority of my clients have a bigger goal in mind. So, it's usually they're embarking on a new business opportunity, or they're in. I do a lot of couples coaching, Mm -hmm. or just a goal setting of like, Hey, I just need clarity in my life. Like I have these, I know I'm itching to do something more and I just need clarity. And so that's a big part of how I work with my clients is we start with this foundation and then we get to kind of tailor it on how to use it based on what their needs and goals are.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's why I fell in love with the Enneagram. It's like a very trendy thing, especially at Belmont for some <laughs> yeah. reason. Like everybody walks on there. Like, what's your Enneagram? And I know. Like, I
0: don't even know what it was. I didn't, like I didn't, freshman year, I people asked me, and I was like, "What is that?"
1: Literally, yeah. I was the same way. I was like, "What is this?" And I took it, and I like didn't understand, and so I was just like, "Okay, whatever." And then, like, I wouldn't say I would say like maybe like sophomore year is when I finally like dove into it, and I figured out mine, and then I was like, "Whoa!" Like this explains why I do the things I do and why I act these ways. And like, you know, it's really helped me understand myself and like learn how to better myself based on like things that I don't like.
2: Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's about, I think for me, it's really understanding that we all have different triggers, right? So mm-hmm. we obviously have some bias, like every single one of us has some bias, but oftentimes our bias can be as simple as like the lens in which we see the world. Mm-hmm. And we make the assumption that everybody's looking at the world the same way. And I think the Enneagram kind of opens our eyes to realize like, oh, wow, we're all struggling in some way or growing in some way. Mm-hmm. or to- Totally. Purpose they're just different. And so I think it allows us to have grace for each other of like, oh my goodness, like you're over here and I don't know what that's like, but I can appreciate that and respect that and have grace for that. And then that have grace for ourselves when we're going through those moments, like you said, I don't like that, but you have grace and you're like, okay, this is why let's heal that trigger.
1: Yeah. So with that, Whenever you so say like you start out with a new client, how do you go about assessing and figuring out what their Enneagram is? Do you have them take the quiz? Do you have them look over it themselves? Or do you kind of do you ever like tell them what it is? Or do you just let them figure that out? How does how does that process happen?
2: Uh, well, I feel like uh, every time I'm in public or I like, get a girl's night or something, everyone's like, what type am I? What's my type? What's my type? Right. <laughs> I feel like I get that a hundred times. And I, I, I was going
1: to ask what you think our types are, I, I, but at the end, after we've <laughs> talked yeah, we a little did, bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. Well, I am always careful about that because I think it's important to realize that I'd be judging behavior. Right? Yeah. Because that's, that's completely because that's completely against
0: the why of <laughs> I mean, the purpose. We won't do that. I was I,
1: I, we won't do it. We'll probably honestly I'll probably spill it by the time we get to the different types.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
2: funny. So funny. But that's just that it, is it's like when I'm at those parties or in public or people find I'm an acup so they're like what's my type? And I'm like I'm judging literally 30 seconds of behavior. Like that's not fair to you, right? That's purely really my bias and my assumption. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm sitting down with a client um there's a a lot of ways, whether it's with a client with me or in general, there's a lot of ways you can discover your type. I think the, um, there's a lot of books you can read. Um, but my favorite ways I'm, I'm not a fan of online quizzes, especially like free quizzes. Yes. My favorite. Um the biggest reason why is I've had I've been numerous clients and like over 20 in the last year um, that have been mistyped by those. And they're really like resistant to the Enneagram. They're like, it doesn't make sense. It's not this great tool. Oh, that I don't buy into that. And then they sit down with me and they're like, they were mistyped. And then it opens up a whole much, so much more clarity for them and so much peace and they're like, Oh, that makes so much more sense because that doesn't take into account a lot of different things. And so what I do through my process. So I always recommend hiring someone to guide you through the process. Mm-hmm. And I, you said it perfectly when you were like, I, I knew my type kind of, but I didn't really dive into it. And I didn't know what it meant. I think that happens so much and you find it, And I love that we're talking about stereotypes so much because there's so many stereotypes tied to the behavior of the Enneagram mm-hmm. which are so false. Like they're, they're all almost one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to it because I feel like people get caught up in the stereotype of the type opposed to the heart of the type.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I've been lied to my whole life then.
2: <laughs> no, no. It, it could be right. I mean, mine got me through and through because I'm the epitome of my type. Um, I have yeah. a lot of those stereotypes. Um, but I think with my clients, what I do is I have an accredited assessment and they take right. that in advance, but I don't trust that I take that accredited foundation. And I'm like, okay. And then I ask clarity and my job as an Enneagram coach is to guide you through the process and mm-hmm. to see what fits. And then, prove those results. And if that's the case, and I, I, we use a very, very like intense accredited accredited assessment that I'm very, very, I don't agree in assessments until I found this assessment. So y'all know I've like beat poked every hole possible in this assessment and I've never had someone mistyped. Um, so that's really exciting. But then we, I still, even though that's the case, I always clarify and do a deeper dive in our first session to make sure, because I know how vital it is to have the right type.
1: Yeah. I think, because I I was mistyped, and the one that I was mistyped with, I find people are mistyped a lot. They, like, back and forth. I was two at first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so the first time I took it, it said I was three, which... I can kind of see it, but Mm -hmm. I ended up taking it again. And here I go. Of course, I knew I was going (laughs) to be like, "Um." but yeah, I'm an eight. And so I feel like a lot of my friends that are eights or threes, they always seem for some reason, those two kind of get a little bit uh, muddy, if you will, because I was reading things about it. I was like, yeah, that sounds like me. But then also like sometimes it doesn't. And so it took me a while to like figure out which one I was, but like I would always look on the Enneagram Institute and then read those keywords. And I always tell people like pick like two or three that sound like you and then read more about them and then kind of figure it out that way. I don't know if that's like a good way to do it or not, but
2: I love that. If you have a level of self-awareness, um, so what I found with a lot of my clients is we we we're all guilty of it. We all want to see ourselves in a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Like we all we all assume that our natural instinct is to give always and self-sacrificing. We all want that, right? And that's yeah. the reality of all Well of that. that's also the
1: thing with the quiz is like yeah, you, you lie because you, you, you want to sound you want to, you want to put yeah. Yeah, you said like yeah. you do whatever sounds better than what's mm-hmm. probably true. That's the thing I was going to say.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of bias in them. And so what I why I like the accredited assessment I use is a kind of it it's really thorough and kind of reading in between the lines. And it's testing for so much more than just your type, because we type in, we dive into instinct and then your tri-type, which I'm super passionate about and your stress levels and where you're most stressed. So how I use the Enneagram is much more extensively than what those quizzes Mm. can provide. And so that's why I like the accredited assessment.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what are wings exactly in the Enneagram? Because what I've figured out is like, I'm a number and then my wing is like, It's usually like the number that's like before it or after it, right? Mm -hmm. But my wing was like a number that was like five away from what I was. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know if that made sense or not.
2: It doesn't. I love okay. it.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: I can always tell if someone did one of those free quizzes because they're like, I'm an eight wing seven or eight wing five. And I'm like, I was about to say, yes! like, I am an eight wing
1: seven. <laughs> eight wing seven's possible,
2: but it's just, it's or like, I'm an eight wing one. And I'm like, that's really not
1: possible. I've, I've heard people yeah. say that before. And I just have to bite my tongue because I'm like, no you're, <laughs> no, you're not.
2: No, you're not. No, you're not. Because oftentimes people just like get one of those quizzes and they do their two highest numbers and assume that's their wing. Um, but it's actually <sighs> The two numbers on the both sides of yours. So if you're a one as well, as if you're a two, it's a one and a three are your wings. Um, if you're a nine, it gets a little tricky because you start at the beginning. So if you're a nine, it's an eight or a one are your wings and you tend to have a dominant wing, but I think people often misunderstand that your wings are like your hands where we both, we all have a dominant hand, whether it be our right or a left, we still use our other hand. So I think oftentimes now on like developing their less dominant wing because their dominant wing is so prevalent and it really has such an influence.
1: Yeah. Um, Oh my God. I'm, I mean, I've always known that like, you know, your wings are there, but there's like a dominant one, but I i love that you just put that like, to respect in, yeah, of, yeah, they're like your hands.
2: Absolutely. And they both come in, like you use your left hand for things and you use your right hand for things. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with your wings. They both have something to teach you and they both have something to aid. And it's just another tool in your toolbox and situations. And so I actually had a client recently where one of their wings, I've never seen it was zero percent. I've <gasps> never had that before. Really? In the years that I've done this, I've never had someone have one of their wings be 0%. And when we, and that was a huge opportunity for us to dive in and develop that wing. And it was completely transformative of her because a lot of that um, tuning into that emotional side and that self-reflection and self-perspective of that wing really, really got to heal a lot of the things that she had been suppressing. And by using wow. her wing and the gifts of that wing, she was able to have a lot of emotional breakthrough, which is why she came to me. In the first place, because she was craving that, that introspective and that connection in the inner world. And so it just really it's amazing what those wings can aid in when you use the tools. But if you don't develop them, then there can't aid, they can't help you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then so also too with the Enneagram, I think like it gets really confusing for people because there's so many different aspects of it. There's like, you know, the number, but then there's wings, and then there's healthy versus unhealthy and all of that. So can you explain healthy versus unhealthy in the wings, or not the wings, sorry, in the Enneagram? Enneagram.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on something really powerful there and why I love what I do so much is because exactly, there's so many ways that this tool can help you Mm -hmm. uh, because of, you said your core type, right? That's the foundation and the root of who you are. And then you have these influences of the wings, but then you also have instincts that have a really, really big role on, especially on a behavior and how you show up. And then you have your tri-type and then you have all these other influences. I've never Um, heard of tri-type
1: before. So I'm I want to ask about that, but I don't know if we have time. We might have to do a part two.
2: We can touch on it quickly, but I want to answer your question first about yeah. healthy and healthy, because I think for me, that was the biggest eye-opener mm-hmm. um, for me, because if you've looked at an Enneagram symbol, it has all those lines, right. That make it kind of look like a Lotus flower connecting all the numbers. Mm-hmm. And they are so important because those are your stress lines and your growth lines. And so depending on what number you are, when you're triggered and under stress, you're going to retreat into the low side of one number. But when you're striving and you're healthy, you're going to tap into the high side of your growth line. Um, So I'll use me as an example. I'll be vulnerable. I'm a three. I know. Shocker.
1: I I, I, I Literally, whenever you said it, (laughs) I was going to ask if you were a three and I was like, I don't want to like, you know, do that based on behaviors, but I can totally see it.
2: Oh, I like I in all of my I'm in a lot of coaching groups and mentor groups and we there's a lot of coaches that come together and they're like, we love Sloan because she hits like she's our ideal 3 I'm like, yeah, you're, welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But so to understand the core motivation of three, it's in the heart triad. Mm-hmm. And the irritant of the heart triad is shame or justifying worth. Mm-hmm. And the three types in that triad are the two, three, and four. Um, but they all try to justify their worth in different ways. So our two justify is it by being needed. I am worthy if I am needed, right? If I am needed, then I am worthy, right? The mm-hmm. four does it by having a unique perspective. If I am special, if I can offer something unique, if I can be different, then I am worthy. Whereas the three does it by achievements. If I am doing, then I am worthy. If I'm not doing that, I'm unworthy. So it's all justifying their worth. And so as a three, I have a bad habit, behavior, right? (laughs) Of saying yes, a lot. Mm -hmm. And then, so I'm saying yes, yes, yes. Because by saying yes means I'm achieving and therefore I am worthy, but it's, What having the self-awareness has allowed me to do is to be more intentional with my yes, to make sure it's in line with my mission and who I am Mm -hmm. and understand that saying no is just as powerful. Right? Yeah, right? But when it comes to unhealthy and healthy, if I keep saying yes to everything, I'm eventually going to overwhelm my plate. Yeah. And so a trigger point for a three is getting overwhelmed and, and stressed, and therefore they retreat into the low side of nine. And there's a high side and a low side. So the low side of nine is going to be very withdrawn, very numbing, right? They're going to retreat. And that's like the opposite of a three, right? They're yeah. going to really, really withdraw, kind of push everything away say no um, and so it's really important to me when I start to notice those tendencies in myself I'm like mm, something's triggering me I'm overwhelmed by something I've said yes to too many things I need. Mean, it's a good point of reflection for me to see where I'm at Whereas on my high side, when I'm really, really doing well, and I have that life balance and that I embrace who I am rather than what I do, I get to access the high side of six, which is that humility that says, Hey, maybe not only do I have to not have to do it all, but maybe I can like help like delegate and say no. And it's that humility and the less ego that the six has that I can access, which actually opens me up to the high side of nine, which allows me to embrace that wholeness of The nine and that inner peace of feeling whole and worthy, ding, 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 despite my achievements. Yeah. So that is like what the lines represent, and it's that journey and understanding that that allow you to really, really understand the healthy versus unhealthy. And I don't always love those words because even when I'm on my low side of nine, it doesn't mean that I'm unhealthy um, or I'm like a toxic person. It just means like, hey, I have not been tuning in and having that self awareness to make sure I'm operating at an Ideal level
0: okay. So, what you're saying is kind of like they kind of are all connected in a way, like they can be because, like, you were going from like nine to three and then like three to six and all that stuff.
2: So, the three, yes, absolutely. The short answer is yes, Um, but the three, six, nine are unique because if you look at the Enneagram symbol, it's the triangle in the middle. i it
1: up right now for her. Yeah, I love it. and as we're talking about this, let me just make a little thing to the listeners. Go ahead and pull it up so you know what we're talking about. Or yeah. you don't have to, but it helps. So like, you oh, see how, I see what you're saying. So three goes yeah. to nine and it goes to six. Oh, OK. I so never studied that part of the Enneagram. Are. I get yeah. it.
0: OK, now I get it.
2: You asked about the triad earlier, yeah. the tri-type, excuse me. And the tri-type is to imply, for example, I'm a three in the heart triad. But that doesn't mean that I don't think, and I don't act right. Like the gut triad. And actually my dominant, um, triad is the action triad, which is of the gut. Mm -hmm. And so I often get mistyped as an eight quite a bit because I'm such a go-getter and I'm so, I'm so assertive and I can put on that like quote
1: unquote boss babe.
2: Mm -hmm. vibe,
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that's why I always say, like, I feel like eights and threes, Always, tight all the time, Give all the time, all the time, and especially
2: if you have a tri-type influence. So my tri-type is I'm a three eight seven. So for me that, so you have one type in each triad. So you mentioned the eight, nine, and one is the action triad, Mm -hmm. the two, three, and four is your heart triad. And then the five, six, and seven is the head triad, Mm -hmm. but they all have different behavior and This is really when the behavioral piece of the Enneagram comes in. And so for me, I'm very assertive. Well, the three most assertive types on the Enneagram is Mm -hmm. the three, seven, and eight. So shocker, but It's all about how you process. So an eight action style is going to be like, I have a goal. I'm going for it. The one action (laughs) style is going to be like, okay, what are our steps? What's the right way to do this? One, two, three, like what are our process? Whereas like the nine action style is probably going to be really hesitant and withdrawn and kind of like, okay okay, what are the, like, oh my gosh, is this going to rock the boat so much? So there's that kind of like in between hesitation, it's kind Mm -hmm. of hard for the nine to act. And so there's just a little bit more pause and reserve and hesitation opposed to the eight, which is already jumping off the cliff. Right. (laughs) And then, our thinking styles, we have our five, which is very internal processors. They're in their head. My my husband is a, a nine, but he's a five internal processor. And so sometimes I'll be like, are you even listening to me? And he's like, yeah, it's all up in his gears. are spinning, Right. I love it. And I do that and- all the
1: time. I'll be talking to her and she's just like having something. Else I think going that's just, just my ADHD.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just my like zoning out all the time. <laughs>
1: I love it.
2: Dissociating. I love it. And <laughs> we have, like the seven who's an outward processor. So that's me, right? I want to talk about my ideas out loud. I want to talk about the future. I can plan out the next five years. You asked me to plan out the next 15 minutes. I want to cry, but the mm-hmm. next 10 years I got you and very much outward thinking. Now the six is somewhere in between. So they're going to question, 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 and then process internally. So if you ever get drilled with someone who asks you like 20 questions and then just disappears and you're like, wow, what yeah. was with the? interrogation, they probably have a six processing style. <laughs> and then we have our heart triad, which is our two threes and fours and our twos. Like I always laugh is you ask a two. So how are you? And they're like, how are you? Like, they don't even answer the question, right? (laughs) It's all about that outward love versus our fours, which is all the internal love. Like, it's all about that. How are they feeling internally and introspective and like Mm -hmm. the bigger meaning of life? Like those are very much the heart of our four where our three is very disconnected from emotion. It's all about like what emotions get in the way. Like, let's talk about efficiency here. Let's suppress our emotions so we can get the job done. And so it's really healthy for a three to kind of take a step back and be like, hey people have feelings in this process you have feelings acknowledge them right yeah and so understanding a tri-type you can kind of understand like how to approach someone
0: how do you how do you figure out what your tri-type is
2: you do a typing session with me no i'm just kidding <laughs> um, it's okay you- girl Okay. This one is probably your tri-type. I want to do one. I'm like, I'm sold. I'm sold. (laughs) 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 But I think it's easy to, this is your tri-type is probably easier to distinguish based on those things. So like, how do you process? Are you an internal introspective processor? Um, Do you ask a lot of questions or do you want to talk out your ideas out loud? So you can probably determine that
1: you talk out loud. We both talk out loud, but okay. Like, and we call everybody and we're like, Okay, what do you think but about this? Then and again, we want a million opinions before we can. What was do the our last own? one you
2: said? There's now. So the five is all intro, the internal thinking process. Right. The seven is all external, and then the six is a little bit of both. It's gonna be a lot of questioning and then introspective. It's just okay. Kind of that balance.
0: Okay, I think I'm a six because I do talk out loud a lot, but I also think to myself a lot on stuff. Yeah, like but that.
1: before you make decisions, you always like talk it out loud. Yeah into myself. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so on the assessment that I give, it actually breaks it down what your most dominant um, type is in each triad. So when we work okay. together, I get to like break each one of them down. So it's really with a little bit more clarity. And then I also get to see like some competing, like if there's ones that are close. And so it's just fun because we use that to determine your conflict style and your goal setting style. So I mentioned with me, I'm uh, eight. eight. Three seven, which are all assertive. And when it comes to my goal setting styles, I'm like, I have a goal, I'm going for it, foot on the gas. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband is a nine five two not an assertive one in there, right? He's he's like, let's take this through. Yeah. My beautiful nine husband is very peace motivated, right? That's his core. So he's very peace motivated. He thinks everything internally, right? So he's not going to communicate what he's thinking very easily. It's all internally. And then he all, he only wants to make me happy with that too. love in him, right? What's best for everybody Mm -hmm. serving everybody else. Right. And so with me as his wife, it's kind of like, we come to our goal is to get down the cliff. And I'm like, okay, step on the gas. And I run and jump off the cliff. I may have broken every bone on the way down, but (laughs) I'm on the cliff. Right. And I'm, bro- I'm broken and have a broken back, neck, arm at the bottom of the, but I'm at the bottom <laughs> of the cliff where my husband's sitting at the top going, okay, well, we could go down the ladder and we could go do this and we could do that and we could do this. And we, what, what if we do this? And he's constantly processing everything and hesitating. And so wh- why having that awareness of each other, allow us to come together and be like, okay, you're going to slow me down so I can at least see the stairs that get me down the cliff. Um, but, and, but I'm going to actually grab your hand and say, okay, Let's go. So we're that's
0: good. Yeah, yeah. I'm always the one that's like, I don't want any distractions. Don't slow me down. All I care about is getting down to the bottom.
2: Mm, so there's
0: it's, definitely some assertiveness
2: in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a seven. <laughs> oh, I love
0: it. Yeah. What What was your dominant wing? Do you know? Uh, I think it was a six. No, no, no. I think it was an eight, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I think so. From the quiz online, that apparently lies to you, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not always, a, I mean, sometimes it picks up on it, but yeah. I the majority they're wrong. I think my, it, it pinged my husband as oftentimes it, it taps into your stress or depending uh-huh. on like if you have a of stress. So like my husband, for example, when he took one of those free assessments, he got a six and it was during under a really stressful season of his life. And he's a nine. And when a nine is under stress, they go to the low side of six. Oh, so it okay, maybe be okay. And then my little brother is another one. And I, there's, there's plenty more that I can give examples, but I know these two won't mind me sharing their results. Um, <laughs> he's a seven and he got typed as a one because he was in a very stressful season of his life. And so he was hypercritical of himself and he was really, really hard. And so he got typed as a one or in reality, he is a seven through and through and through. So it's yeah. just to have that awareness as well. And having, and that's why I am a big advocate of having someone guide. You through it. I mean, that's why I love what I do. Is this is very, very vulnerable, and it exposes some piece of ourselves that we always don't want to shine a light on or really even get to know. And having someone to say like, "Hey, yes, they, this is something that we can develop and work on," but you're not alone in the process is just really important.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. So let's start going through the different types, and you know the kind of their core motivators and all that fun stuff with it um so we'll just start at one because that seems like a good place to start (laughs) unless there's a better one that you think
2: yeah actually let's we can start with one but group it in a little bit of a backward order so what if we start with eight nine and one Um, okay yeah yeah
0: yeah, they're all by the the gut people
2: yeah, exactly. There
0: are gut people, which
2: I love, and they share. They're in that that gut triad, um, that action triad, and they share an irritant. So basically, when you understand the enneagram and the motive, each type has an irritant, and then how they handle or manage that irritant determines their motive, mm-hmm. right? And so, with our eight, nine, and one, they share an irritant of anger. Right. And so it's kind of like Mm -hmm. that little thing that they're trying to manage. And that's very important to realize that that doesn't mean that our twos through sevens don't experience anger because we definitely do. Mm -hmm. It's just not our core irritant that determines our motive and our trigger. Right. Yeah. So our eights, nines, and ones manage that anger in three completely different ways. So our eight just kind of owns it. Right. Like you can get into a heated discussion with an A and you walk away with it. If you're not an A, you're like, Oh my God, that was so intense. And our A's were like, that was amazing. Right. I loved it.
0: You like just if- called her out
2: <laughs> was, because A's love it. They're like, the, you got them fired up. That means they were passionate about something because they just kind of own it. Right. They kind of see anger as passion and fire. Right. Yeah. That sounds fun. kind of toxic. It's not. It, yes. Let me put it this way. There are, I mean, every type if has it's like conflict, unhealthy, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you're doing it to be a power trip and to use it for manipulation and, or in a lustful way, then absolutely it can be toxic. But in reality, it, it can also be viewed as passionate. Mm-hmm. And when you understand why that's the case is because, and we'll get into the, so the why of in the core motivator of our beautiful eights is um they're afraid to be vulnerable and they seek control right yeah. Yeah. and so so it's about when you understand that eights are actually fierce protectors and they're just, they use it to protect, especially the people that they love. Um, it's, you kind of respect them a lot more. And when you see that overprotectiveness and that control is from a place of just, they don't want anyone to be exposed or to feel vulnerable. And so they're fiercely protective of that. You kind of have a whole understanding of why they get angry. And usually a lot of the time they get angry when someone, the underdog is getting attacked. Right? That's the quickest mm-hmm. way to
1: get them anger yeah.
2: is if you're poking at their vulnerability.
1: It's <laughs> uh, down to a T. For at least just specifically for me, I'm just like, whoa. <laughs>
2: yeah. And yeah. what I love about our eights, too, is like, it's so funny when someone go, goes hot at an eight because you see the strength of an eight and it's sexy. Like, the age is sexy. Like there's a strength to it that you (laughs) trust. And that's why they get deemed stereotypically as like the natural leader or the boss, because there's just a fierce strength to them. Mm. But it's it. I always laugh when someone wants to come. If there's like a touchy or a conflict that they need to address with the eight, if they come in hot, well, guess what? You just the eight can always go hotter, is my philosophy. I have learned right? like, that. Yes, yes. You never want <laughs> to come hot at an eight because they're they can always get hotter. Yep. And so it's that aggra- it's like <laughs> it's you're gonna run up on of. your aggressiveness. Yeah, Irina, right? you're
1: also roommates, so like we've had our conflict. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, but if you come to an eight and you're vulnerable, so remember they're trying to avoid vulnerability, but if you come up to an eight and are vulnerable and say, this really hurt my feelings. Oh my gosh, an eight's going to melt because that's going to break. Like they never want to make someone feel vulnerable and hurt. And so you being strong in that moment by being vulnerable, you're giving the eight permission to be vulnerable with you. And so I've always Always seen with an eight, like you have to be willing. Like you see their strength, and it can be intimidating to be vulnerable in that minute, but that's exactly what they need, and they'll match that for you. Because mm. I always say that they won't take off their armor, but they'll at least set down the sword, right? Yeah. <laughs> like try approach that
0: approach next time. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're about, full force.
2: Yeah, because they'll match it or and and raise
1: it up by 10 right yes <laughs> and
2: so <laughs> I love it Avery,
1: thing that happened like two weeks ago what it was a weekend and we got in a little bit of an argument oh yeah oh, and yeah. Um, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't like I mean I can laugh about it now yeah it's all but like, like over
0: now but,
1: but um <laughs> Avery like came in hot at me and I was like don't you dare <laughs> And I crazy, escalated it. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> and what's crazy is the eight will totally like could totally agree with your point, but because they felt <laughs> disrespected by you coming in hot, yes. uh-uh, it Doesn't matter if they think you're right. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> you literally just hit it spot on.
2: Mm-mm. They're like, oh, oh my god! Affected me because it's a, it's a control. Like the Aids want to be in control, not because they're controlling. It can feel that way, but it's because they want to protect you. And if they can control everything, they can protect themselves and the people they care about and avoid being vulnerable. So, gotta yeah. love our Aids. Our Aids are sexy when they're healthy, but when they're not, it can be intense.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I know some unhealthy Aids and.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not
1: people I want to keep in my life.
2: <laughs> no, until they have that level of self awareness. And I always yeah. believe that every type is toxic if they don't have a level of self awareness. Like yeah. every single type. And so, speaking of the other ones, our ones. Which was your first question. Our ones try to manage that anger by doing the right thing. So they overcompensate for their anger. Mm -hmm. So they always try to do the right thing. And so like paralyzingly, so they get their stereotype Mm -hmm. name is like perfectionist when in reality, it's not, it's so much deeper than that. It's about if they can always do the right thing. And they very, very much are like have high moral fiber because they want to make sure that it's always right. They are very, very can come across very critical. Um, but I always say like, if you're getting critiqued by a one, just know that like they're critiquing themselves like 10 times harder,
1: like, god. I like I'm trying so hard not to like bring up every single person I can think of. I can think of like one of my best friends is a one. I'm just like you're Mm -hmm. saying like it's almost like, you know, her because it's so like.
2: Yeah. And it's tea. And when you understand that about someone, you can offer a lot more grace and love for them. When you understand that the eight is being so controlling, not because they want to, they don't, it's about protection and love. And when you understand that the one like is maybe being really, really critical and a perfectionist, they're being 10 times harder on themselves. And so you can kind of offer them that grace and that Mm -hmm. love. And then we have our nines at that gut triad and they suppress their anger. You can probably count on one hand the times that you've seen a nine get angry. Like, I'm married to one and it's less than five. But man, when it happens, <laughs> everybody take cover. Oh my goodness, it's terrifying because their main motivation in order to manage the anger is to always maintain the peace. Mm. That is their core motivation. Suppress. So they often suppress their own needs. And they often suppress their own desires and their own goals and their own, like they suppress everything because it's all about peace and peace is of utmost importance above all else. So when you rock their boat or disrupt their peace, that's usually when they're going to come at you. Right. Mm-hmm. And,
1: so and when just- they do. <laughs> It's terrifying. It's everything scary. that they have been sitting on for so long.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like a volcano and that has been like asleep for like a hundred years and or dormant for a hundred years. And it's just mm-hmm. it's almost like, oh my gosh, what about and it's jarring for a lot of us because we're so used to them being that peace for that mediator, that compassionate, that peace. And so when they do blow up, it's like, whoa, okay, this is jarring. Like right? I
1: really messed up because like
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, I realize husband, it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I've seen my husband get upset one time and it was disrupting our peace. It was someone, um, crossed a line with my, myself and my husband and my son. And you better believe that that nine oh, got real angry. He used that eight, eight wing real quick. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, It's usually there's that so what's that trendy TikTok where it's like talk to me, I talk back. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm that one, and I was like, oh, switch. Like, <laughs> got <hold> like, <laughs> you know,
1: I'm a, I'm a stand back, and I'm just gonna spectate. <laughs> oh, yeah, so funny.
2: But as we move to our heart triad with our twos, threes, and fours, I kind of touched on them already with their core irritant being shame. Mm. And oh my gosh, we can shame ourselves to death. It's painfully so. And so it's about justifying our worth. And I touched on the two justifies its worth by being needed. If they're your ideal person, then they are worthy of love, right? So if they are needed, they are worthy of love. Um, the, Three does it by doing and achieving. If I'm achieving, if I'm winning, then I am worthy. Our four does it by that uniqueness, that different opinion, that new perspective. Um, And so therefore, if they are offering something different or offering something unique, then they are worthy Um, versus our head triad which is I'm always, I feel like there needs to be a better word out there, but it's really security, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's so much more than that. And it's like, it's often deemed as fear, but I think it's more about security more than fear because it's not that they're afraid. I mean, all the, all of us have some base of fear, but it's that seeking security. So wow. our, our fives do it through knowledge. Like if the more they know, the safer they feel, mm-hmm. uh, Our sixes do it through like questioning and testing. The more support they feel, the safer they feel. And our sevens, their greatest fear is being trapped. And so if they get trapped in a negative emotion, especially negative emotions. So they're constantly seeking experiences to Mm -hmm. escape those negative feelings, to be happy. So they each do it in different ways to to manage fear um but i always laughed like the fives and the sevens are in the same triad and it's like absolutely they just have different fears and thus are seeking security in different ways
1: mm-hmm. yeah i always like the sevens i know it's like like me yeah <laughs> like we'll just sitting there and she's like it's it's 12 o'clock at night she's like let's go to sonic i'm like <laughs> i'm <laughs> in bed what are you talking about <laughs> i mean so fun I think trapped is such
0: a great word for that. I mean, I think I've grown into like a person that I have no fear if I'm like in like a unhealthy or low state, but I do what I can to avoid getting in that state. I think you're like right about that. I hate being trapped.
2: I think, and it's just trapped in a negative emotion. Like they, yeah. they, can, they can, they're not going to, I think grief is always a challenge for our sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, they, mm-hmm. They're known as our brilliant escape artist, right. And not in the fact that they'll try to escape those emotions and getting stuck in those negative emotions through experiences. Um, my brother is like an ideal seven. And so he is an adrenaline junkie. Like you get him to process his emotions. He'll be like, cool. I'm going to go jump out of a plane now. (laughs) (laughs) Getting him to sit through therapy is like, we finally made an agreement. Like, okay, you sit through therapy, then you get to go race around a track at a hundred miles per hour. Right. You just need (laughs) something to like release that because that's that's absolutely like. Their biggest nightmare is getting trapped because remember we talked about that stress point. When our seven is under stress, they go to one and they get in this vicious cycle of the low side of one of being so critical. And like I almost, I'm almost a believer that when we go to the low side of ourselves, it's worse than that number in the low side. So you touched on the two going to eight. I think a two going, so a two wants to be needed, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the fastest way to trigger a two is to not appreciate them. Mm-hmm. If they feel unappreciative, they're going to go to the low side of eight real quick and you better watch out. And an unhealthy two and eight, um, is worse than any eight I've ever seen in that position because it's the ultimate low side mm-hmm. because you can push to that. Yeah and so for a 7 getting pushed to 1 they are way more critical than even a 1 is and it can be really oh. stuck there in being so critical of themselves it can be really really it almost then they get desperate on how for a way out. And so, in it's important to like be able to have that awareness and to like you said, to manage that in a healthy way of saying, like, okay, these emotions are valid, they're okay, but they don't define me. Right. And not of me, they're just, it's a part of me and they're trying to tell me something, not dictate who I am.
0: Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been like really good about like sitting in my emotions and like thinking through them and feeling through them. I guess because like, like you said, like your brother talks about his emotions and like wants to go jump out of off a plane (laughs) like I feel like I'm the same but I feel like I'm not uncomfortable with talking about them I feel like I was in the beginning for sure but my
2: brother, my brother talked about therapy as he's like, okay, so I have this box and I've put all of these trauma and all of these negative experiences and all these negative emotions. And I put it in a box and I locked the box and I shoved the box way down in there. And then therapy is like, Hey, let's shake this box up. Right. Yeah, yeah. And It's important to realize that like, Like that box is oozing, right? It's oozing toxicities and it's actually poisoning you um, because you're letting it sit there. And so having that self-awareness and really, really embrace letting the emotions out so they can actually get out of you is extremely Mm -hmm. vital for all of our, for all of us, but especially our sevens.
1: Yeah. I don't know that I've ever been like an unhealthy eight. Like I think I've been a little bit more like on the neutral, maybe slightly over to unhealthy, but I think doing therapy helped me so much because like like you said I struggle with vulnerability I mean it's weird because I'm an open book and I completely overshare every aspect of my life (laughs) but then there's things that like I do not share with anybody and those are like the deepest darkest you know like and that like my friends have only seen that like a handful of times and like I've only told them those things later on. And that was after years of friendship.
2: I mentioned this earlier, like I don't love the term healthy and unhealthy, right? Because I think we need these different, we need these lines because they tell us something, right? And so an A is often teased that like when you're under stress and your unhealthy state is the low side of five, which is that withdrawal and the pushing people away. Um, Like an A is really known to say like, you're dead to me, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) just cut people
1: off. They're like the first to block, right? Unfriend and block, like that's our right
2: they're really really quick, but-
1: <laughs> with every ex I've ever had I've blocked them all and it's not out of spite it's not out of anger it's because I know if they still follow me I'm gonna be posting on my story just for them to see it and I'm gonna be like are they watching are they doing this are they you know I blocked them so I don't even have to worry about that I cut the communication I don't want to hear back from them you're an ex for a reason
2: <laughs> What to me, it's done and so also like with that though. So it's having that awareness of like an A can be T is like, Oh, you go to that, cut people off place to seek revenge. So a lot of eights are like, Oh, it's, it's from a place of plotting revenge. When in reality, what the most common thing I see with my A is exactly that it's that, Hey, that internal reflection, like you hurt me. So I need to reestablish boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. I need new boundaries in place. So I don't respond in a way that is toxic. Right. Yeah. So you're not posting in that way. And it has very little to do with the other person. Like for a three, when I would draw to a nine, it's probably because I'm exhausted and I need to rest because mm-hmm. I've pushed myself by saying yes so much.
0: I think you, I, something you wanted to say, yeah, I think I'm a two. I don't know. I keep like hearing what you're saying and going back and forth because <laughs> I got, I got, uh, I took the quiz online and then I like freshman year and then I got labeled a two mm-hmm. and then two a year later and then I got a seven and then I've always been a seven since. But I just, there's just things that like are key. There's key things that you're saying that make me think I'm a two. Mm-hmm. I don't know like always wanting to be needed. Yeah. That's a huge thing for me. And like feeling worthy if they're needed. Yeah. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. probably from
2: twos, threes, and fours, we really care about how we're seen. And so it's very important to us. So like twos want to be seen as your ideal person. Like they want, they want to be seen as the person who's selfless. Right. And Mm -hmm. the quickest way to trigger a two is to call them selfish. Right. Because it's like, if you call it too selfish, it's like devastating.
0: Yeah. Um, What's the quickest way to trigger a seven?
2: Trap them, make them commit to a date and time and say that they have to be there (laughs) or trap them in a negative situation or a toxic environment. Oh, my gosh. Um, I always laugh every holiday. If there's like any tension, my brother's leaving. He's gone. Like I can yeah. put a timer on it. I'm like, Do if there's that. any tension, yeah. I can, yeah. If there's I, any tension or anything like that, like I can just like look at my clock and I'm like, oh, I wonder if he'll last five minutes or fifteen. Let's time it. Like, yeah, we gotta get out.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think it was seven. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> totally you, especially like at the yeah. beginning of the year, we would have like parties and stuff. She'd come over and then leave five minutes into it and no that be wasn't like, because of like
0: tension that was because I had a toxic boyfriend at the time and that was you know I would just like leave to go hang with him but yeah I don't know <laughs> I think yeah I mean there's if there's any like awkwardness anywhere I'm like I gotta go
2: mm-hmm.
0: I gotta get out of here yeah
2: yeah. They don't like getting stuck in that. Like it's mm-mm, nope. escapism is what they're love. They're big visionaries. So like they're uh, big visionaries, like I always joke that like, sometimes people accuse our sevens of having ADHD again, every type has ADHD, ADHD tendencies, but they get accused of that. And I always joke that, and I always feel like our sevens get mistyped with ADHD where like the rest of us should have it, but like our sevens get misdiagnosed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that they don't have it. I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not diagnosing anybody, but I think that they get mistyped because they their brain works so fast. And it's just the rest of us haven't caught up
0: yet. Okay. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean
2: Brilliant visionaries. They're like huge. Like my brother, I love him. He's like my like I'm the typical three. My brother's the typical seven. And mm-hmm. he has so many ideas and so many plans yes. and all of that. And the rest of us just have to catch up.
0: Yes, that's how I feel. I feel like what's that? Is it Myers Briggs or something? It was one of them were um I got like the acronym ETSP. Okay. I entrepreneur, ETSP. I guess. ETSP. Be- it's something. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what it yeah. I don't it was like a test online somewhere. And mm-hmm. it was about, like what you should do for your career. And then I got like entrepreneur and like a huge thing with that, like you said, it's like the visionary, like yeah. ideas, big ideas. Um yeah. Really that makes cool. total sense.
2: They're great. Sevens are brilliant. So sevens live very much in the future and fives live very much in the now, right? So what is facts? What is reality? What are our resources? So if you can type in, tap into the high side of five, which is your growth line and really, really ground in into like the practical applications of your dreams, like sevens are unstoppable. It's when mm-hmm. the sevens get too critical of themselves, like, oh, I can never do that. Or I'm dreaming too big or, oh my gosh, I'm not like, there's no way, like it's when they get critical that they get imposter syndrome. Syndrome. and Aubrey type is, can get imposter syndrome, but that's usually when I see it in our sevens is they get hypercritical because they tap into, they get excited and then they get overwhelmed and then they tap into the low side of themselves, which is the hypercritical. And so if they can break free from that to type into the five and the high side of five or, okay, what are our resources? How can I make this possible? Who can I count on as an accountability partner and kind of tap into that? It's amazing. The follow-through that happens through that. And then the momentum and a seven with momentum Mm-hmm. Ooh, they they are phenomenal, especially at entrepreneurship.
0: Ooh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> love to hear that.
1: All right. Okay. So lastly, I want I want to talk about like, I mean, we kind of just talked about Avery's, but I want to, like, to do like, I kind of want to talk about like eight wing seven, because I want to hear more about myself. I want you to call me out to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel like I've already called you out with love. And I know. Like, I know. <laughs>
1: But like, what do you know? Because I think the eight wing seven is called the nonconformist. mm -hmm. And I mean, it's kind of just like both aspects.
2: So I guess, so you, you have to remember what both your wings offer you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the nine wing is going to offer you compassion and why you have that dominant seven wing, which is probably why you have a podcast and why you're bold and why you go for it. Right. And so, but I also think that you have a level of empathy to you. That is a lot of that nine wing, right. Mm -hmm. And it's that compassion and vulnerability and authenticity. And it's so it's that balancing of both. And so I'd be really curious to see, because I see a lot of the nine in you as well. I definitely yeah. like, the visionary of the seven, and the fact that you like immediately like saw me in the wrestle and were like, "Hey, we're <laughs> connecting." Hey, you literally were like, "Hey, let's hop in this podcast right now." I'm taking you in this room. Like, okay,
0: like, hey, like 20 minutes. Ago. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, she's like the best like connector and like with like negotiator. Like she will talk to anybody anytime.
2: Oh, and one of my dear friends, she's actually a social <laughs> eight. We didn't get to talk about instincts that much. Um, yeah, and I really like. We could literally have this. Oh my god, I, can like, we two? Is this like? <laughs> <laughs> is this in the works? <laughs> <laughs> Could it just be like part five, part seven? I know. Um, yeah. I know. Just, <laughs> each episode. On, each welcome Enneagram. to the podcast.
1: You're part of. You're not the worst. This is just an Enneagram podcast now. it's yeah.
2: Evolved. It's evolved. Evolved. And so, but one of my so the instincts, each type. So I'll quickly try to break this down. We have like our self-preservation instinct, we, which is all about like basic needs, make sure I'm taken care of, and then we have our sexual instinct, um but it's more commonly known now as our one-on-one. Because people think of the sexual instinct. As that intimacy, but it's so mm-hmm. much. It's not physical intimacy. It's yeah. that it's the intimacy of a w- real conversation with one other person, and that intimate connection more so than the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. And then we have right. our social instinct. So, oh, quality like,
1: time, love language. Oh, she said it's like quality time
2: with one person. Yeah, it's usually like one, con- like one other person that you feel, or one at a time. I should say. Okay. And then our social is very much group, right? It's all about the group, like center of attention type vibe. And Mm -hmm. so
1: when you have that- I think that's why I want to be a three so bad. Cause like, I (laughs) love being the center of attention. And I think I've always like been envious of threes, which is why I think I'm like really, I mean, everybody is drawn to threes. That's like their whole like (laughs) thing. But like, I'm like so drawn to threes cause I'm like, I want to be that. (laughs) Like That's
2: so funny because I'm so drawn to eights. Because eights are like, so I love eight. well, eights and threes get mistyped a lot because they both have that like boss aura to mm-hmm. them, like that center of attention mm-hmm. boss aura. But the difference is like, I had, I was on a, um, I, I was running a networking group with mm-hmm. another eight. Right. And there was some other people on our board, but there was two positions and this summed up the eight versus the three perfectly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the president had very little power, but they were, that role was like the host of it. So they greeted everyone at the meetings. They led the meetings. They were basically like the welcoming committee, the hostess with the mostest, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is our president. Whereas then we had conflict resolution and membership, and that was the one that had all the power. Right. Mm -hmm. So the eight, took my, my eight counterpart Mm -hmm. of course took the power role. And I of course took the hostess role because it fit. And I thought that was just such a beautiful representation of Mm -hmm. one of the big distinguishers of the type is I wanted the title, but I didn't necessarily need all the responsibility and the power tied to it where our beautiful eight was like, no, I need that power. I don't care what my title is. Like, I just need the power. And so it was just really ironic. I just thought that was a funny moment. Um, And yeah, you're right. The three does have that like charm people element. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're often get stereotyped as the performer. And I think our threes get often confused of masking. That's a big Mm -hmm. thing for our threes is they get accused of masking um, because, and it's, and it's almost accused of inauthenticity and it's actually not, it's just, they're giving you a piece of the puzzle that they feel like you're going to like best. Yeah. Right. And it's just not the whole puzzle. It's not a fake piece of the puzzle. It's just not the whole puzzle. Yeah. It's like, you need this right now. I got accused a lot about that when I was dating in school, Mm -hmm. like when I was dating guys in college, like, Oh, you want the cowgirl side of me? Here you go. Here's that. (laughs) Oh, you want the music enthusiast me? Here's that piece of me. Here's my extensive library. And, and because threes do so much and achieve so much, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of pieces to our puzzle. And so we often fear like, if I showed you my whole puzzle, that'll be really overwhelming for you because it's big, right? It's like the thousand, piece puzzle. Mm. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to be strategic and give you what you want. And then people are like, Oh wow, how manipulative. And it's like, that's not our intention. It's just if we threw the thousand piece puzzle at you, you would be overwhelmed and say this person can't be real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I've, I like, I've definitely heard people say that about like threes that I know, like a lot of, one of my exes was
0: a three and you just described the whole like mask thing. I thought he always put on a mask. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I had a,
2: Ex-boyfriend yeah. tell me that they literally told. I'll never forget this. My maiden name was Bowen, and he flat out told me. He goes, "Oh my God, she's on Bowen duty," which meant I was performing. And it yes. Me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> me. And it was like, it's no, I was just, that was the version that they needed of me. And it was like, just be you. And I was like, what does that even mean? And then this self adjour- self-awareness self journey happened. I was like, yes,
0: oh. that's what I literally felt the exact same with my ex-boyfriend. He'd always just like put on this like face in front of people. And then feel like you'd always have to be like on. And I'm like, Oh my gosh! Like this is honestly too much to handle. I'm like, I can't keep going back and forth between your two personalities. Like you gotta like, you know. And I was like, just like be you. And then yeah, it's exactly what happened with me too.
2: And you got lucky. He only had two. Like I had
0: no, I'm just kidding. Probably had more than I didn't know about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just that to that point, and it's I it breaks my like I think back of like 21 year old Sloan. Like it's just she wasn't trying to be fake, and I think of it as a different person, but it feels like one. Mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. she wasn't trying to be fake and she wasn't trying to be present this fake version of herself. She just felt she like threes get often told that they're too much, right? Like there's no, or they get called liars. And I've been like, I've seen mm. so many of my threes have that like trigger point in them because there's like, there's no way someone could do all that. Like, there's no way that you're, you did this and this, like, I like, to give everything it's like, Oh, you went to Australia as a people to people ambassador and you were a swimmer, you were a swim team captain and you were a beauty queen and you were did barrel mm. racers. like, I don't believe you. That's I'm jealousy.
0: Not- That's jealousy.
2: <laughs> but it's, it's not even that it's just, it's un- like, because we do so much people right. like, that can't be real. And so we kind of been like, okay, well let's tailor this until like, what pieces do you want? And we'll just simplify this process. Right. And yeah. I feel
1: like I have parts of that in me at times though, too. Because I did so many things in high school like I did cheer and cheer was like always my primary but I did cheer I did swim I did volleyball and um, I did music and I was like the music girl at school. So like, I just had all these different like personas in a way.
2: So we have to be careful when we start. And that's why I think people get derailed when they try to type themselves Mm -hmm. because they focus on the behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always use the cookie because it's the why behind the behavior Behavior is what's so important. Like, why did you do all those things? And so our, I always like the cookie example is like one of my favorite go-to examples. It's just like, okay, a one, two, three, and four are going to all make you cookies, but they're going to do it for four of completely different reasons. The one's going to make you cookies because it's the right thing to do. The two's going to make you cookies because they want to be your ideal person. And they want to make you feel comforted and loved. The threes are going to make you the best cookies you've ever had. And our fours are going to make you the most unique experience of a cookie, Right they all made you cookies. So if you're judging that behavior, you'd be like, oh, that was really supportive and giving, they must be a two. And it's like, no, that's it. Why did they do it? And so Mm -hmm. people often get caught up in the behavior and don't understand the why is the key point of understanding the Enneagram and your
1: tightness. Oh my god! Wow. I, could t- I literally I could talk about it forever. I, I know I, know. I could talk about this with you forever. Uh, I'm so down to do a part two if you are. <laughs> anytime, Anytime a <laughs> Like few months, we like revisit and like really unpack it even yeah. further. Um oh, okay. But that being said, we want to respect your time, so we're gonna go ahead and jump into shitty things. Shitty things is a segment that we do where you say something bad that you did or you can say something that someone has done to you so you can like tell a story you can I don't know like you can, it can whatever be anything yeah yeah it can be anything that you want and then also if you want to you can talk about what you learned from it and how you grew whatever
2: right. it's pretty chill yeah. you want me to start
1: yeah go yes. for it
2: okay well I, I don't know so many that I could learn from. <laughs> um, I guess thinking <laughs> of like the conversation we had and the importance of the Enneagram is I was actually thinking of the guy that said I had bow and duty, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Him and I were on and off for five years, and ironic, and I like, I, it was during the season of my life of like the very, like, I had no idea who I was. I had no self-awareness and I feel like my performer of like being everything to everyone and trying to perfect this, perfect this persona instead of being authentically me was at its heightened because I didn't know who I was. Right. And because I didn't know who I was, it's, it comes back to that quote I said earlier, like when you don't stand for anything, you fall for everything. Mm-hmm. And I fell for a lot of his BS. Right. Yeah. And, um, I think a big part of it was, I felt like we dated officially for a year and then we broke up and we just had this toxic on and on relationship for mm-hmm. years after. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like his dirty little secret. And I had no idea. So this guy is like calling me all the time. And literally like we lived in different cities and he was like driving to my city to see me. Uh. Um, He went out of town um, to see his family and asked me to watch his
0: dog.
2: Like we like very, very like. I thought we were friends that definitely had more. Right. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like come to find out years later, like this is like a decade later, I was actually like a joke with all his friends. Oh, and that's so disheartening. <laughs> oh, but from our perspective, it's like, oh, we're on and off. It's just not working. It's not the yeah. right time. He's focusing on him. I'm focusing on me. And yes, it's toxic. And then all of his friends are looking at me like, well, she's so psycho. Like, oh my gosh, who is this girl? And a key indicator for me, I'll never forget this is I went to a wedding. So we had a mutual friend and they were getting married. Right. So we had mutual friends. We're going to marry. and I'm at the wedding and he's ignoring me. And you just know when there's like Mm -hmm. this weird tension and you're like, okay, like literally you like, you it at my house last week. Like, why are you like, yeah, Something's yeah. off, right? Yeah. And his parents were there and it was like the southern bless your heart, like oh sweetie. And I looked at my best friend, and my best friend went with me, and I'm looking at her and I'm going the vibes off here and thank goodness she was with me. She's like Sloan, like, is it really like, what is y'all's relationship? And I go, we don't have one, but it's not this. Like I'm not some lost little puppy, like this little girl, like obsessed with him, but that's how he made me seem to his parents. I hate that. And it wasn't, but then again, like I knew that like, it wasn't until like years later that I had this epiphany, but it comes back to like, what you learn from it is just how important it is to get to know yourself. So once I, and like to trust yourself and to have your standards and to know what you believe in. And because, because I didn't have that foundation of knowing myself, it was so easy for me to get played with in that way. Right. Right. And so I'll never forget. So I leave Texas and I'm like, Revelation, right? Like I'm getting to know myself. This is a that was the revenge boy of why I competed in pageants. Remember? Okay. You're like Like, I have um,
1: to prove it to him now.
2: Right. Well, it was so much more than that. It was just like I almost had to prove it to myself. Like I wasn't this toy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, it was so much more. And so thank goodness, like I, that was the wrong way to approach it. And then after that experience, I started to pursue the long way, discovered the Enneagram along with some other self-awareness tools and just really started to get to know, like and trust myself. And therefore I started to love myself. And I remember I moved to Nashville and uh, my standards were so high y'all like, oh my goodness. I was like, I am like, this is where I'm at. And I remember like guys would be like, Hey, can I take you out tonight? Like, nope. (laughs) not <laughs> Did day, you make a recommendation?
1: No. no, you can't. Did oh no. I was no?
2: like, mm, they did one thing. I was like, gone by, like audio, yeah. right? Um, my husband now, so we met in Nashville and he showed up late for a date. And I said, Okay, bye. And he was like, he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like 20 minutes late. And I go, You should have called. Have a great night. I made other plans. And he was like, Dude. are you kidding me? And I was like, yeah, we can try again later. Like, I like you enough to try again later, but
1: I don't play this way. And luckily that is like, setting a standard though. That no, like That, that is, is so admirable a boundary. And like, yeah, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at right now with my dating game. <laughs>
2: yeah. But you know what it did is any, a weaker man, a less confident man would have been like, Oh, that B or, Oh my God, she's yeah. not worth it. Mm-hmm. Who does she think it is? My husband goes, she's right. She's absolutely right. I should have called. I should have had more respect for myself and had more respect for her to at least say, Hey, I'm second traffic or I got held up at work. Yeah. And so a bet because he's such a confident man, he was like, All right, I'll do better and I'll I'll step up. And he did every step of the way. He just constantly stepped up. And because his now standards were like he it's met him. a woman that helped him to a standard, he started holding me to a standard. So you better believe. And you're like, yeah. Wait a this is not how
1: that works. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no, I loved it. Oh yeah. I absolutely loved it because we make each other better yeah, it's right. a place of respect for ourselves and respect for one another that I've never had in a relationship mm-hmm. because it starts with me. Right. I never had that respect with the toxic boy and he's mm-hmm. not even toxic. That's not fair to say he had his own baggage and his own drama, his own insecurities, because nobody treats another human being like that if they're not really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I honestly, honor the younger 20, 20, young, 20 year old version of him. And I hope he's grown since then, but like, it's just about neither one of us loved ourselves. So how could we ever love each other? Yeah. When I met my husband, it was like, oh my gosh, like, I love me enough that these are my standards. And he goes, okay, I love me enough. These are my standards. Let's, let's step up yeah. for each
1: other. Mm-hmm. Um, Avery, um, do you to... have a shitty thing or do you want to edit it in later? Can I edit it in later? I can't yeah. think of <laughs> one <like that. laughs> I, I know, because we we're, we're going to have to record an intro and an outro later on because the episode's coming out so far in advance. So we just mm-hmm. finished up uh, season one of You're Not the Worst. So we did 30 yeah. episodes and then we just did a season one recap and then we're gonna wait two weeks because we we have our spring break coming up and it's just a really busy time, like right before with like midterms and everything. So we're gonna take a little bit of a break and then start season two on the 23rd of March. With you, yes, and you're gonna kick it off.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, congratulations, y'all. What y'all have built and what y'all have y'all done is just phenomenal. And 30 episodes, like and it's just season one, like it's only the beginning. And so I'm curious. So from y'all's growth and process and experiences like episode one versus episode 30? Like what has been the best part about it?
1: (laughs) Avery and I tried to listen to episode one the other day and we were like, oh my god
0: <laughs> no way we put this out I know like my editing styles changed like the first episode there were so many pauses and long breaks that were so awkward and I was like why did I leave that in there like it's just, like and, like but I've gotten better at that and then like I don't know you would she was so good at, like talking and I would just
1: be so quiet the first episode like not say anything
0: <laughs> yeah but it's definitely
1: changed <laughs> but yeah okay So one last thing before we have to hop off, Um, time to plug yourself. Where can people find you? And then also to, I want to talk about the Glow Together Foundation and then the Glow Movement as well while we're while we're here and we're hyping you up
2: so yeah so we'll start with the foundation because it's totally easy uh but the glow together foundation started um with the it was inspired with the birth of my son um my husband and I started it because when we had him we were looking at each other like oh my goodness (laughs) we have this beautiful life and this beautiful baby to take care of but we also wanted to raise him um to have a servant heart and so that was a really really big passion and we knew that we then had to step it up a lot of stepping it up in this episode um but that we had to step it up and lead and show him and lead by example of what that meant so we started the glow together foundation uh we have a scholarship in there um which uh, if march 23rd our applications are still open if anyone is interested it's a personal development scholarship. Okay. It's called, and you can apply at glow And that scholarship is for all genders, all ages. It's $500 mm-hmm. to be put towards your own personal development. So it could be an editing mm-hmm. class. It can be a songwriting class. It can be a summer camp. It could be a conference, an online course, um, anything that is tailored to invest in you and your growth. Um, and, and then we awesome. have our gala that is all about honoring and embracing women, and then our team of ambassadors that take on initiatives every month. Uh, So we've done human trafficking to bring awareness to human trafficking. We've Mm -hmm. raised money for No Kid Hungry. Uh, We've sent care packages through Operation Gratitude to our active and retired military and first responders. So whatever's on our heart and we feel called, we step up together and serve. And our mission is Mm -hmm. when we all do our small part together, we can make a big impact impact so that's our foundation and then of course the glow movement is where I coach so that is the hub for where I get to meet with my clients and really focus on the Enneagram identity and self-awareness and how to use that to achieve your goals or to heal or uh, to just kind of get to know yourself and most importantly love yourself yeah and so you can, and we kind of tease a little bit are you ready for me to tease it now
1: oh yeah go for it. Okay. I'm
2: super excited about this. And I love the Enneagram and we touched on like how those free quizzes kind of can lead us down the wrong way. So I wanted to offer your listeners just for your listeners, 25% off a typing mm-hmm. session uh, with the code. You're not the worst felt exactly like the podcast all caps. Yes. So they can go to, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you have the link in the thing, but you can go to www.glowmovement, That's mvmt.com mm-hmm. uh, under services and book a typing session and use the code. You're not the worst for 25% off.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. That just made my heart so happy. I like, kind of told Avery about it, but I didn't really tell her much. No, just for this just reaction right here. it's <laughs> so cute! I love the code part. It I know, so it's cute. so cute. I can't. No, I live, I can't wait to like release this. We're gonna put it in the show notes. We're gonna put it on our story. We're gonna link it everywhere. Yeah, I love that. So, where can people find you personally, or because we already did the business stuff? But like, where can people find you?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so I'm on Instagram mainly. Um, I have a Facebook, but I'm not there very often. Please don't send me Mm -hmm. Facebook. We don't have Facebook either. Um, but you can find me at at Sloan, that's S-L O A N underscore read R-E-I-D. And you'll get to see some of my, I think today I posted a fun pageant headshot and you get to see pictures of my son and my dog, <laughs> oh. <laughs> puppies of Instagram and just all the crazy things that we get to do. That's kind of the hub. And I love to yeah. um, just kind of hang out with people there
1: yeah Aww. well that's awesome thank you so much for coming on thank we're gonna you. have to do like i'm like cheesing this whole time i know my like, jaw freaking so hurts awesome. i'm like this is so incredible um uh, my life changed a little bit in the studio today <laughs> <laughs> avery and i always I leave it. with a lot more knowledge yeah. um, um, well, 30, 30 episodes i can imagine
2: y'all are gonna be so well-rounded and just so um,
1: yeah I'm learned really- a lot <laughs> Thirty. Episodes, that's a lot. Like it's. I it's know. Weird. Like podcasting, it doesn't seem like it is, but it like no, because there's podcasts have like two hundred. Yeah, but they've been yeah, going at it for years.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: thirty episodes in one season is phenomenal, and just Thank the way you. that we all do it. Like, please do not discredit yourself. Like. It's amazing what y'all have built and just the way that you've built it and the audiences that you've reached and the authenticity and the vulnerability, all of this. And it's so personal. Like, I think this is the heart of why people love
1: podcasts and you guys are doing a great job. So honored to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and Avery and I are in awe of you. Yes, (laughs) totally. Yes. We really appreciate your time and thank you.
2: Thank you. I I just love you both to death. I'm so proud of you. And if y'all need anything, if there's anyone I can sister. (laughs) Yeah. I done signed up. I firm, but no, if y'all need anything, any resources, especially since y'all were in the same state and I used to live in Nashville. So let me know if there's anything I do to support y'all. I just think what y'all are doing is so incredible. And Belmont is a great resource
0: for y'all, but I think it's y'all are so much bigger than that. So I'm super excited for y'all.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you so much. Well, thank you guys so much for listening in today we hope you guys enjoyed the episode i learned so much Riley is eating her saltines right now <laughs> sorry guys it's okay uh, we're going through it so as you guys know as always follow us on instagram and tiktok at you're not the worst <laughs>
1: sorry
0: follow us on instagram and tiktok
1: i'm so sorry
0: follow us on instagram and tiktok at you're not the worst podcast our website is you're not the worst.com please go submit your shitty things there and you're also able to try again you're also able to be kept up with the most recent episodes share this podcast rate and review subscribe like comment whatever you have to do please give us five stars and that is all we have for you guys today right that's it Mm -hmm. all right cool (laughs) help i'm struggling while you're good at this i don't know how to do this (laughs) we'll see you guys next wednesday for another mini episode bye guys Bye. bye